Hey, look, uh, I just want to do something before we move into the focus of the day. And I just want to stop for a second and acknowledge what took place in Orlando and actually have a prayer about it. I'm often reminded, it's a fairly well-known verse in Scripture, Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. And I think we could all do a check mark over the fact that our land needs healing. And our land needs help. And when I think about that verse of Scripture, Second Chronicles 7.14, to me, it's, it's saying, if my people who are called by my name. And so what that immediately says to me is that um, it's those who would say, you know, we, we, we are followers of God. We're followers of Jesus Christ that it's, it's up to those and up to churches to take the leadership, right? That it's calling out followers of Jesus and calling out churches to take leadership. How? How do we take leadership so that land is healed, so the land is healed? And that's done two ways. Humility, being very humble, and being very prayerful. So when I read that verse, and I just kept thinking about it all this past week, it just made me think, how can we, how can we as Grace Community Church take leadership in seeing our land healed? And we've, God has already given us the roadmap. We already know it's going to involve two critically important principles. Humility, and prayer. And so I just want us to pray for uh, just a moment here, asking God to heal the land, but also saying, Lord, is there something that you would have us to do to play a role in healing of the land through humility and through prayer? Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, all of our hearts are broken. We're grieved about what has taken place in Orlando. Um, Orlando has experienced a lot of trauma in the last two weeks. Lord, our land needs healing. Please heal our land. Please bring peace and wisdom and direction. We can't figure it out on our own. We need you, Father. Would you have mercy upon us? And Lord, if there's something that this congregation, this group, this community of people can do, in your name, to participate in your healing process. Help us, Father, through humility and through prayer to be a part of your solution. Guide us and have mercy upon us, God. Now, Lord, please, be with all the friends and the families of these victims whose hearts are hurting so desperately. Bring strength and bring healing. Lord, your word says that you're very close to the brokenhearted. Lord, be so very close to them. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we are going to really be laser-focused today on something that's incredibly important to us. And actually, everybody, it's really important to our futures 
our futures as individuals and the direction of our life. What I would like us to talk about this morning, and we're going to use this movie 127 hours to help us make the point that the Bible makes over and over and over again. All right, what is the single greatest determining factor in you living a happy and healthy life? What is, I'm going to say it again, what is the single greatest determining factor in you living a happy and healthy life? You know, Jesus Christ said, I came that you might live life to the fullest. That's another way of saying in other translations, abundant, rich, full, satisfied life. In other words, let me sum it up this way. Max potential. How can you experience absolutely everything that God wants for you? We all know that we all want it deep down inside, right? We really want that. We desire that. How can we achieve max potential in this life, everything that God has for us? What is the single greatest determining factor from Scripture, from life, from research? Does it all... Does it? all come together and show us something. And we're going to use this movie 127 hours. If you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to encourage you to see it. We're going to do a brief synopsis of it here on the screen in just a second. It's really important. It's an exciting movie. It's kind of a a chilling movie, right? Uh, It's an enlightening movie. It was nominated for six Academy Awards. It's based on the true story of Aaron Ralston, who goes out hiking by himself in Utah, and then has to do something because he gets himself into trouble. James Franco is nominated for an Academy Award for being best actor in this movie. The central message of it is critically important for us today and particularly for our future. So I want you to watch and listen real closely to this video here on the screen. Thank you. Morning. Good morning. If you're any squeals, those are my kids, so I won't be interrupted. It's fine. Okay. Um, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. He came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. 
but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came, and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram, then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elijah, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Thank you, Chris. So, uh, Elijah's mistake was the same thing as Aaron Ralston's mistake. I don't know if you caught that, but they made the exact same mistake. Here's a little couple sound bites from what Chris just read, right? He left his servant. He went it alone. He left his servant. It says that he went on alone. He sits down under a solitary broom tree, and you have to wonder, why, why does the Bible give us information like this? What, I mean, what am I supposed to do with it? Broom tree. Is this supposed to enlighten me? A broom tree was big enough for one person, enough shade for one person. He's all alone. For some reason, he goes rogue. He's been listening to God, and all of a sudden, he goes off by himself. All, God never told him to do this, and he goes off by himself. He's praying to die completely alone and his perspective is all messed up he says this he says i am the only one left did you catch that i am the only one left he knows that's not true but his perspective because he's all alone when we get all alone and we don't have the perspective of other people in our lives we don't have good quality relationships and friendships in our lives our perspective is messed up when somebody is in solitary confinement you start thinking kind of goofy. And this is what exactly happens to Elijah. Obadiah had just told him a chapter before, there's a hundred other people, Obadiah says, that I've been hiding in caves. You're not all alone. And yet Elijah says, because he's all alone by himself, his perspective is messed up. It's not correct. He says, I'm the only one that's left. It's totally not true. He makes a false statement to God. Then he goes on. He says this. He says, they are all trying to kill me. That's also not true. It's not a they. It's a she. It's Je her name is Jezebel. The only person trying to kill him is Jezebel. But all of a sudden, his perspective is messed up. He blows things way out of proportion because he's all alone. Doesn't have anybody to bounce these ideas off. Doesn't have a good relationship. He's, Has that ever happened to you? You ever been in a place where you just isolate yourself in such a way and you start thinking stuff, thinking stuff, thinking stuff? You ever seen it happen to somebody else? Perspective gets messed up. He needed somebody in his life. That's the same thing that we see with Aaron Ralston. He talks about the importance of relationship. So God says to Elijah, hey, look, I need you to get you back on mission and I need to get you back in relationship. How are we going to get you back on track? Mission and relationship. This is what we need for you in your life. Ralston, when you watch interviews from him after his experience, all he talks about is relationships and friends. He says, every memory I had while well, he was caught there on that rock for almost six days, everybody, down in that little crevice hole, six days, couldn't get out, caught. So every memory I had was associated with a relationship, an important relationship in my life. This is when I thought about how thirsty I was, I thought about having a drink with a friend. When I thought about having a meal, all I could think about was having a meal with a friend and past meals and past drinks and all that that I had. He said everything was relationally Focus. Now, we want to set things up for you again on this, on this next video because this is where he starts to talk. And it goes very long, okay? 127 hours. Thank goodness the movie isn't that long. But 
he talks. We're going to grab a little soundbite here for you about what he says about that. So let's play it. Okay, so for those of you who aren't familiar with the story, he has a video camera with him. And while his arm is caught there in the rock, he's taking pictures and he's doing videos and he's chronicling his whole situation. And he's having all these memories and he's making goodbyes because he thinks, you know, he's, he's going to die. But he's, he's reliving all this important. He's thinking, oh my gosh. If I had just told somebody, if I had just been with somebody. He did an interview with Katie Couric after it was over, and they said, the buddy system, Aaron, it's as simple as it can be. Why were you all by yourself? Now, this is what he says. Some of you aren't familiar with the movie, but what he ends up having to do is he cuts his arm off. He cuts his arm off to get free, and all he had was this little dull pocket knife to, to do that. And he said very early, like right when he's there, 127 hours, right? But he said in the first couple hours, he knew his only way to get out was to cut his arm off. The problem he had was this. He couldn't figure out how that dull pocket knife could cut through the bone. Okay? And he said late, what we're getting ready to show you right now, late in the game is he had an epiphany. Oh my gosh, I can cut everything with the knife and then use my body weight as leverage to break the bone and then to snap it off. Okay, so let's, let's do this. <laughs> I'm just joking. We're not going to show you the whole thing. No, we just have a little uh, e- e- excitement, you know. We could there, right? Uh, his decision to be by himself and not to have a friend and not be in relationship and be all on his own dramatically affects his future. Would you, would you agree to that? Okay, you want to dramatically affect your future? Quality relationships. It's the greatest single determining factor, and we're just going to go completely after this today, if we can. It's the single greatest determining factor in your life. Uh, this past week, I, uh, I read this book, uh, Sun Tzu's book. It's had a little bit of a revival here, The Art of War. Anybody read Sun Tzu's book recently? Okay, a little bit of revival. And he, he makes a statement in this. He says, all warfare is based on deception. All warfare is based on deception. And we, we talked about this in the first week, Star Wars, right? Star Wars fans, remember we talked about the whispers of the dark side, how the dark side is always whispering. Why did Elijah go rogue? Why did he go off and now he's praying to die, which dramatically affects his future, dramatically affects the whole nation's future, the whole region's future, because he dies? Why, why, why did he do that? Because God didn't tell him. Because all along you read through the story of Elijah, he keeps hearing from God, hearing from God, he's doing it, doing it, all of a sudden, boom, he goes rogue goes off by himself. The whispers, right? You can go it alone. The whispers of the dark side. You know, Luke, right? Luke, come to the dark side. The whispers over and over again. We hear those whispers. Adam and Eve heard those whispers. The story of the Bible is always telling us we're hearing these whispers of the dark side. And one of the whispers that we hear is we can do it alone. Aaron Ralston. You don't need anybody. You do all this by yourself. Do we still hear those whispers today? You know, we're told that loneliness, the lack of quality relationships and, f- and friendships, right, is epidemic in the United States of America. Why is that? The whispers of the dark side, and what I want to focus on this morning is the importance, the absolute priority that it is for all of us to build in high-quality relationships. It is the greatest single determining factor in your life that your life is going to go like this and not like this. This is what the Bible emphasizes, and it is what all kinds of research shows us is true. So I'm going to show you this picture of this guy. 
right? TED Talk, anybody into TED Talks? Anybody all into TED Talks? All right, this, this, this TED Talk of this guy right here, 10 million views. Professor Robert Waldinger from Harvard. It's the longest study of its kind, 75 years, where they captured information from a group of people for 75 years to study their life, to figure it out, what led to happiness, what led to health, what led to max potential. So he gives this, 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 this TED Talk and talks about the greatest, he said it's clear, it's not even close, not even fuzzy, he says, not even fuzzy. The single greatest determining factor for our lives to go up and to be happy and to be healthy and to be successful is the, not the quantity, not the, not the friends that you have on Facebook, but the quality of your relationships. Do you have strong, healthy relationships in your life? He says, quote, quote, the good life is built with good relationships and that loneliness is toxic. The clearest message is that good relationships help us to be happier and healthier. Now check this out. Think about this. You're thinking about your future. I want you to think about your future for a second. Project 30 years into the future. How are we going to determine 30 years from now, are you going to be happy and healthy? How will we do that? What, what, what will we go to to analyze you to figure out are you going to be happy and healthy 30 years from right now? Okay, we're going to check your cholesterol levels because this is what they did. So, okay, let's, let's look at these guys that we're studying here for 74 years. We're going to check their cholesterol levels. Says, no, that didn't, that didn't work. Check their heart. No, we're going to give them a life screen. That didn't work. You know what they said clearly was the number one predictor of a person 30 years in the future. This is important, everybody. 30 years in the future. Where are you going to be 30 years? They said the quality of your relationships. See, God has just wired us for relationships. And when we have high quality relationships, I'm not talking about the crisis moment. Oh yeah, you know, I was down on my luck and a friend showed up and helped me to move. Great, wonderful, awesome. What we're talking about here is that God created us for relationships and on an ongoing basis, you have high quality relationships in your life and it keeps you full life. It keeps you max potential because that's the way that God has wired us. This is the information that they came up with. So uh, we got to stop. We all like to invest, right? All right, there he is. He's very happy. You want to make a great investment? You want to make the best? You think about your future. Okay, what could I do? What could I do to be happy and healthy so that when I retire, right, 30 years from now, what's the best investment I can make? What? You know, what mutual fund do I pick? Um, where do I invest my money? What house do I buy? You know what? You know what all the research shows us? You know what Waldinger says? He says, your best investment 30 years from now is quality, high-quality relationships. Isn't it awesome how all this data comes back around and it just totally affirms, confirms, reinforces what the Bible keeps saying over and over and over and over again? High-quality relationships. So I'm going to talk about three things that we need to build into our lives so that we make a great investment in our own lives 30 years into the future. The first thing is this. We have to make relationships a priority. They have to be a priority. Are they a priority to you? Do you see the importance? Or because or, what, what seems to be happening, everybody, to be honest, and it happens in my own life. Hey, man, you got it. You got it. It's okay. Go it alone. That's the worst investment advice that I'll ever hear. You got it. It's okay. You know, all right. You just know people kind of people. Have friends, but don't write quality friends. It's okay. Go it alone. You can do it yourself. You can do it yourself. You don't need to tell anybody that you're going out on this trip hiking. What? 
is the quality of the relationships in your life. Do you feel like you have great relationships in your life? Because if you do, that's a great investment for your future. But if you're here and you don't have some high-quality relationships in your life on an ongoing basis, that is a very bad investment. So the Bible says two are better than one. It doesn't get better than that. Two are better than one. Have great relationships. The Bible says this. If two of you agree about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father. Have two, two people. What about one person? Can I just pray about some and everything's going to be great? Why does God, Jesus Christ actually here in these, why does he emphasize the fact that two people need to be praying? And one of the things we do in my community group, we always pray. We always pray. We always pray for each other. Two, if two agree. Goes on to say, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. And God, again, I just keep coming back to this statement. He makes the first negative statement in all the Bible. He says, the Lord God said. What, 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 what does God say? The first negative statement he makes is, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not a good thing. We need high-quality relationships. They need to be a priority in our lives. And yet we get caught up in all, of, all kinds of other things. If you'll watch this TED Talk from this professor, he, he leads off by saying this. He says, you know what a major life goal of young adults today? I'm not picking on you for young adult. If so, it's his fault, not mine. He quotes a study. He says, 80% of young adults today say this, that their major life goal is to be rich. And then he comes back and says, but all the studies show that that doesn't lead us to happiness. There are other things that lead us to happiness. And the most important thing is high-quality relationships. Is this a top priority for you? Because if it is, you're investing wisely in your future. And if you're not, you have to question your investment advice. Number one, is it a priority? Number two, if it is a priority, number two, you'll pray about it. If it really is a priority, you'll pray, God, help me. God, lead me into high-quality relationships. I just want to slow down. This is utterly important. I want to encourage you to please, please pray for high-quality relationships in your life. This is the greatest investment in your own future. You're going to be so happy if you make it a priority and you pray about it 30 years into the future. You look at Jesus Christ in Luke 6, 12. It says, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent all night praying to God. Why did he do this? You have to ask yourself, Jesus, what's the big deal? What's going on in your life that you're praying all night long? I mean, what is so important that you're praying all night long? You know what he did right after this? He gets up the next morning, and he goes out, and he picks 12 friends. Isn't that interesting? Have you prayed? Have you prayed all night long? Have you followed the example of Jesus? He was really good with relationships, by the way. He's very good with relationships. Is it that big of a priority to you that you have high-quality relationships? Because it was that big of a priority to Jesus Christ. He prays all night long, God, help me to choose wisely 12 friends that we might have a high-quality relationship with you. He prays about this. All right, so um, Time Magazine just a couple weeks ago came out with this. Right? How to stay married. Now, this isn't a marriage sermon, but I want to talk about something it says in here that's, that's really important. We're, it was really good. We're actually going to talk about this in the future, so be prepared. <laughs> you know what it says? This is a really good date in here, but it has this one line. It says, everybody in America, basically everybody in America wants to get married. And then it says this, even millennials. I don't know why they say that. <laughs> 
Everybody wants to get, everybody, every, everybody wants to get married at some point in their life. And they say this, they say, okay, how, like, what's important? And, and then they emphasize this in the article from the research and from therapists and all this stuff, right? They say, picking the right person is critically important. It can't be over. You've got to pick the right person. And some of you are like, yeah, man, I, I know what you're talking about. So, uh, <laughs> Then the question was asked, well, how are you going to pick the right person? What, well, what helps are you going to get to pick the right person? And they only gave one answer. You want to take a guess what the answer is? Huh? What? I, I can't hear you. What? E-harmony. Oh, man. Is that where you met your wife? Okay. Half the weddings I do today uh, are people who meet on eHarmony and other like sites. Isn't that interesting? Here's, here it is. Ready? You know how you're going to choose wisely? They gave one, therapist gave, marriage therapist gave one answer. Friends. Friends. The better quality that you have of friends, quality relationships, the higher quality that they're going to help you pick the right person. You need, what they're basically saying is, oh, I can do this myself. I mean, everybody else is saying this is a bad thing, but I know what's best for me. Bad decision. Bad decision. We need high-quality friendships that help us make the most important, other than our relationship with God, the most important earthly relationship with women. We need friends. And they're saying, they picked it out, the number one thing that we need. They keep us healthy. And again, it's not just for bad times. Oh, man, I was going through a bad time and my friend showed up and helped me move. That's awesome. It's awesome. We have but we need in a constant basis in our life, not just for crisis situations, but to stay healthy, quality relationships. Look, look last week we talked about Alexander Hamilton. All right? It's too big of a story for me to mention just one time, right? Besides the fact they just won how many Tonys? 11. 11. Thank you very much. Somebody who watched the Tony Awards, right? 11 of them, right? <laughs> saved his picture on the $10 bill. Big deal, okay? Coming to the Kennedy Center, I hope you get a ticket. Hamilton was brilliant, but when he was away from General George Washington, no good. He made really bad judgment calls. I mean, some that will astound you, right? Some that will astound you, things that he did, like having his six-year-old son sign an official letter, like crazy stuff that he did. But, but they'll say, he needed Washington. He needed the quality of the relationship with Washington. Washington wasn't an intellectual, but Washington had supreme judgment. He believed in Hamilton, and he needed that relationship. Who do you need in your life? Who's going to help you make good judgments? You need high-quality relationships in your life. I think about my own life. It's not just the crisis situations I go through, but my own life on a regular daily basis. Who do I have in my life that helps me on a regular, who prays with me? My family, my wife, my community group, who, as I already said, we pray with each other all the time. We check and we check, hey, hey, I got this going on, or hey, what about this? What should I do about this decision? The quality of our relationship, the greatest single determining factor. And are you going to be happy and healthy later on in your life? Our relationships have a huge impact on our lives. Look at what 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. All that is saying is this, is our relationships that we have have a big impact on our life. So we should choose very wisely the kind of relationships that we're in. 
Are you praying? Is it a priority? Are you praying about the relationships that you're in? Because they're going to impact your life. So Tom Rath from Gallup, right? Everybody's familiar with Gallup. Tom Rath wrote a book uh, called Fully Charged. In other words, how you can live max potential. Major component to living a fully charged life? What do you guess? Guess. Just take a guess. Of course. Thank you very much. Somebody's listening out there, right? Relationship. This is what he said. This is it. If you have a friend who is happy, right? Some of us have friends who aren't happy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Don't shake your head in case they're sitting next to you right now, right? Some of us have friends who aren't happy. If you have a friend whose happy level is high, right? right? That will raise your own personal happiness and enjoyment in life more than you getting a $10,000 raise. Now, that, now we're getting serious, okay? Now, if you factor in cost of living in Washington, D.C., if you have a friend that's happy, it's going to affect your levels more than a $50,000 raise. Think about that, huh? Think about that. That's power. Those relationships are really, really important. So you got to make it a priority. I really want you to make it a priority. Number two, you got to pray about it. Number three and final, you got to have a plan. You have to have a plan. So it says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Are you friendly? Are you welcoming? Do you follow those things about being a good friend? Do you do that, right? Do you... Pray for people, text people, encourage people. Do you do the things you serve people? Do you help people, right? Are you doing friendly kind of things with other people? Are you showing yourself to be a good friend? Hebrews says this, uh, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. So in other words, what is this saying? It's speaking to a church and it's saying, hey, don't keep coming together. Why? To encourage each other, to build each other up. Now, Elijah, as I said earlier, had to get back on mission and back into relationships. So I'm going to conclude by saying this. We do something. I know there's many guests here today because you're here for the free food. I understand that in the rock wall. Uh, We normally do something called Grace in Five, where we give you in five minutes or less the overview of the whole church. I'm going to do Grace in One right now because we're not doing Grace in Five today. So here's Grace in One. Here's, Here's what you would hear. Here's what we're all after. One, two, three. Christ. We're after that. Number one, what this church is about is the story of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the basis for all great relationships. I'm going to say it again. Jesus Christ was awesome relationally and is the basis. Our relationship with Jesus Christ, when I say I want to become a follower of yours, in other words, I want to accept you as my Savior, but more than that, I want to follow your ways, particularly your relationship ways, it has a profound effect. Think about this. Think about this. The church, followers of Jesus Christ, right? The church is the most culturally diverse, the most socially diverse institution on the face of the earth. How's that possible? Because between cultures, there's friction, there's problems. And yet in the church, people who are following the relationship principles of Jesus Christ, somehow he helps us to bridge that divide. I think we need that. And it is a fact, Jack that the church today, and has been for 2,000 years, is, statistically speaking, the most diverse institution on the face of the planet. So we begin with a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, please consider doing that today. I'd be happy to pray with you. Our prayer team over here would be happy to pray with you. Make a great decision. He says, God says, what did Jesus say? He says, First and greatest command, love God. Have a great relationship with God. Make your vertical relationship great. And then horizontally, love other people. It's all about relationships, the quality of your relationships. The second thing, so it's Christ, number one, that we do. Number two, it's community. 
This church is all about building healthy relationships. So we encourage you all to bring friends today. You might think, oh, you're just trying to get his friends, and we're bring them to get the food, and you just want a lot of people at church. No. When you invite a friend to come to church, immediately there is a connection that's already there, and the quality of the experience is so much better. And the quality of your friendship has the chance of going up. And then what we do here all the time, all the time, is we just keep talking about the relationship principles that we find that are in the Bible that help to build. And so what happens is over and over and over again, what you're really doing is making an investment in in your life and in the community and in the world by building up the quality of your relationships. That's why it's so critically important. That's why we want you to bring friends from time to time because it's so much better when you do because the net effect of all that is absolutely powerful. And then lastly, compassion. Compassion is where we serve. We serve other people, right? We're helping somebody else out. We do that in all kinds of ways, but I want to focus on one thing. One of the major things we do is we stand together against injustice. And I want to encourage you to come back next week. We are going to make a stand next week against the greatest humanitarian crisis that our generation has ever seen. That's next week. We're going to do that, and we can do so much more about that together. Okay, there's something great we can do. Now, I want to end with this. You know, beards are really popular. Beards. Facial hair, right? You seen that? There's like the last five, six, seven years, a lot of facial hair. Let's show you. Let's just show you this the first picture, Myron, right? Who is that guy? Yeah, man. He's, he feels so awesome about his beard. He's like, woo, this is, this, is, this is so cool. It's James Harden, NBA, right? NBA Finals tonight. Great game seven tonight. Please watch it. I will be watching it tonight, <laughs> right? Awesome beard. Okay, let's show you. Who's the next guy? Just show number two, Myron. Who's that guy? Oh, come on. Are you serious? This is a movie series. Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy sporting the beard. Now, the BBC, the BBC News, and the BBC News is always right. They did a thing on beards and why are guys guys wearing beards? And the premise was is that guys are wearing beards a lot in the last about five or six years because they want to do what? Don't get too deep on me. What do they want to do? They want to get a girl. Thank you for being honest, somebody over there. They want to get a girl. It's very simple. Want to get a girl. They want to attract... A date, right? They want to get a date. And so they studied. They went, they drilled down way deep in this. You know what they found out? That's not actually why they're growing the beards. We thought it was why, but that's not why. Actually, women like clean-shaven men. All you guys go shave the beard today. They actually prefer clean-shaven men. And what they found out in this study is the reason that guys are growing beards, they want the respect from other men. They want the respect of it. They want to gain camaraderie with other men. They actually would like to have another guy be their friend. In the United States of America, 90% of men lack a quality friendship. 90% of men in the United States of America lack a high quality friendship. So they're doing it to attract friends because even though we don't know it, and we think we're really deep down, God wired us this way. It's coming out of us, coming out of our face, right? We want... <laughs> I want a friend. So all the guys, look around the room. You see anybody with a beard right now? What they're, they're advertising, I want a friend. <laughs> Myron, last picture. Last picture. Look at this guy. He's the most interesting man in the world. He's the most interesting man in the world. But what is he advertising? He's advertising, I want a friend. I know all kinds of people, but I don't have any high quality friendships. I want a friend. And he's just telling you right there, stay thirsty, my what? Please be my friend. You want to make the greatest investment in your future? Pray. Make it a priority. 
Pray about it today. God, help me. It's the greatest investment you'll make in your future. And 30 years from now, you're going to be very, very, very happy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to ask that every single person in this room, that you would bless us with high-quality friendships, Lord, and you would help us to institute the principles, the relationship principles of Jesus Christ in our lives. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. amen. All right, let's go outside and party and climb a rock wall. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.